This week on Dig Me Out, Tim and Jay review For the Masses, a tribute to Depeche Mode. I think I've actually heard you say I prefer Depeche Mode songs when they're sung by somebody else. It made me think a lot about, you know, what makes a good cover. The restraint that they show is, I think, the most interesting part of it. I don't even know where to go with these segues. Hello and welcome to another episode of Dig Me Out. I'm your host, Tim Minichi, and joining me once again, Mr. Jason Ziak. Jay, we are delving into uncharted territory with this particular episode. Are you excited? Sounds scary. Yes. This is like uh, when you when you go on a roller coaster for the first time. That's exa- <laughs> exactly what this podcast is going to be like. You don't know what what's going to happen when you hit that maximum G and go upside down, and if you're going to vomit or pass out or scream like a little girl all those things are possible tonight in this particular episode i know okay uh so i'm glad i ate a light light meal yeah keep it keep it light so we are going to be doing our second facebook poll and our first tribute album We, we put it up to our facebook followers pick a tribute album for us. We provided some options and then people posted some more options. We actually had a tie. The two which finished with the most votes were a tribute album to the Pixies and a tribute album to Depeche Mode. And after the flip of a coin, the winner was For the Masses, a tribute to Depeche Mode. So that's what we are reviewing. Now, Jay, were you familiar with For the Masses, a tribute to Depeche Mode? prior to our Facebook poll in this review? I was. From back in the day, or was it something you Yeah, back in the after? day. I remember when it came out. I think I owned this on CD. Oh. Uh, it was sort of during the boom of... It seemed like it was during the, a boom of uh, covers records and tribute records. Mm-hmm. So it seemed to be a, a lot of them coming out and a lot of them making noise. It's kind of a trendy thing to do time it wasn't it there were quite a few tribute albums that got really successful uh, i think the the most successful one uh in the 90s was probably probably the encomium led zeppelin tribute because there were actually big singles off of that uh yeah. dancing days by stone temple pilots and hey hey what can i do by um hootie and the blowfish were two like constantly played on alternative rock radio and actually if you turn on lithium now you'll still hear i just heard dancing days by stone table pilots today on uh, lithium so that was definitely one of the the bigger ones and then there were there's the the carpenters tribute that wasn't as big but it got more uh has more i guess cred because it's got bands like sonic youth on it and actually was featured in uh the movie juno there's a scene where Sonic Youth cover is talked about and played. I think it's actually a plot point in that, in that movie. I remember very well. I only saw Juno once. Anyway, For the Masses, a tribute to Depeche Mode. There's no history of the band per se, but there's a history of this release. So this came out in 1998, August to be exact, on AM Records. The project was started by the members of God Lives Underwater. Uh, in particular, David Riley from the band, and in collaboration with their manager, Gary Richards, and Philip Blaine of 1500 Records, which was an A&M uh, subsidiary until 2001. Now, some of the songs actually existed prior 
to the release of the tribute album, specifically Never Let Me Down, Never Let Me Down Again, which is the lead-off track, was actually released as a B-side by the Smashing Pumpkins for the song Rocket from the Siamese Dream album. So there you have it. That's the history of this release. Uh, of course, because God Lives Underwater were the people putting this together, they also appear on the release. Our Facebook fans and followers, they were the ones who suggested this particular one for a review. If uh, you want to suggest an album for review, head on over to digmeoutpodcast.com. Hit up our request review page to suggest an album. We didn't get any Facebook feedback. Oddly enough, uh, when we posted this for our Friday preview, nobody said anything. So we just got votes. No words. Weird. So we're just going to go right into the review. Jay, you, uh, as you mentioned, had this album from back in the day. I also had this album from back in the day. My reason for getting it, although I am a Depeche Mode fan, and I don't think you're that big of a Depeche Mode fan overall. Correct? You're correct. I think I've actually heard you say, I prefer Depeche Mode songs when they're sung sung by somebody else. (laughs) I've, I've probably said that. So this is actually sort of perfect for you. Potentially. That's likely why I owned it. And I owned it, like you, because there's a lot of bands that I listen to that are on here. Uh, Smashing Pumpkins. I was I enjoyed God Lives Underwater back in the day. Failure. Brook Assault. Just name a few. So in revisiting this album, Jay, did you enjoy The Silence? Or was, was this one let, let you down again for me to mangle some titles? <laughs> <sighs> Um, Could you shake the disease, or was this a black celebration? I don't even know where to go with these segues. Um, It didn't hold up well for me. Um, Mm. I remember this album being a lot better than (laughs) than it it seems uh, like now. Uh, I want to say, you know, I I remember the failure song quite well, you know, uh, and that may have been the reason that I went out and bought it. And I think the first half of the record is is fairly successful it made me think a lot about you know what makes a good cover what what makes a good cover song and what makes a good tribute album i think the first half of the record the reason it's more successful is because you have a good balance of bands bringing their own personality and but also revealing something new about the material Mm -hmm. Um, and then also kind of when those two things happen, you know, the quality of the song and even the, the, the talent of the original band kind of comes through in a new and in an interesting way. You know, I guess that's my best description of, of when a cover song works. When it doesn't work, which I think is kind of the second half of this record, you can't help but think of the original songs. Um, you know, when you're listening to the cover version, they almost feel like kind of parodies and you know the material kind of just falls flat so you know i think a good example of that is i don't i, I i'm not a big fan of the the, the ramstein song on here oh i, I agree with you 100 percent on that um i think that's a, an example of like you know it it doesn't it, it's so it's just silly you know and i guess that band is you know i suppose half serious and uh it's just a weird it just doesn't make me appreciate the best mode anymore or that song anymore. And 
It certainly doesn't reveal anything interesting about Ramstein. One of the songs that did kind of stick out to me listening to it now that I probably just kind of glazed over the first time was the Veruca Assault song. Yeah. That was a, it was interesting. I, I didn't think of, um, I wasn't even aware that that band had that side to them. And then anytime you take, um, I think anytime you take music that's, you know, say electronic and sort of multi-layered and, and complex from a rhythm standpoint, you simplify it down to just, you know, a Rhodes piano and a vocal. It's sort of, um, you know, it, it, the, the, the song quality has to stand on its own. You know, you can't really hide behind um, technology and, 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 and a good beat and all those sorts of things. You know, you, gotta, you strip it down to how good the song is. And that was one that, that kind of stood out to me that I didn't remember when I owned the record the first time. I want somebody to share, share the rest of my life, share my innermost thoughts, know my intimate details, someone who'll stand by my side and give me support. And in return, she'll get my support. the you know sort of the ones that that I bought it for in the first place you know, I think the failure song still holds up pretty well it, it doesn't seem as epic to me as it did when I originally heard it you know it's it doesn't quite sound as big as, as I remember it well the drum fill still, is still epic when they go from the quiet part to the loud part yeah you know and it's 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 good it's it's just the song kind of peters out yeah uh, the Smashing Pumpkin song is kind of interesting. I mean, it's a it's a cool representation of that band. I think during their middle period, as they mm-hmm. transition to the more of an electronic sound and more of a you know less thick, heavy guitar riff kind of band, and, and started going in another direction. It kind of captures them in that moment and them paying tribute to a band that probably influenced their their second or later um, stages. You know, the Dishwall song is kind of funny. It sounds like uh, I kept thinking it was in excess. Every time it would come on, I'd be like, "Is it excess on this record?" Because the singer sounds so similar. The bass on that's pretty cool. Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of cool to hear a, a you know a regular instead of keys, but just a regular bass guitar sort of carry a Depeche Mode song. I thought that worked pretty well. You know, and, and I guess it is a general statement. I tend to like the stuff where you know they they take like I said they take a material that's been presented sort of in a very electronic format and they make it analog so the bands that kind of go in that direction um i tend to think it works better it's it's it by default sort of separates it from the original and, and you know quickly casts it in a new light the stuff that isn't done that way it's sort of forgettable to me and 
sort of just makes me want to listen to the to the original version. Like it doesn't add anything to the right. song. So uh, that's kind of where I'm at with it. What, what do you think? I'm in the same boat on a lot of that. Um, I did want to mention with regards to the failure song. So this came out in 98, which is just after uh, the failure, uh, final failure album, Fantastic Planet. And I read a while ago that Ken Andrews, the you know sort of brains behind failure, along with you know Kelly Scott, this was the bridge to him working on that on project for those two albums, which were heavily electronic. And mm. basically, he got back into like keyboards and you know loops and stuff like that, and he made the on record on on his own. Which the first on record, I think it's called Shifting Skin, is really good. Um, the second one, Make Believe, I think is what it's called, uh, was only released through like CD Baby. Uh, it's not as good as the first record, but still has, I mean, Ken Andrews doesn't make bad music as far as I'm concerned. Um, it might get a little boring sometimes, but it's not bad. Yeah. Um, but that first on record, I think is better than the Year of the Rabbit stuff. Beyond that, I think the first you know, like six tracks are all really interesting interpretations. They all go in different directions. They all show show the the band putting their touch on the song, like you mentioned. Even the Cure covering World in My Eyes, um, you know, they, it sounds like a Cure song, but you still get the Depeche Mode-ness, I guess you'd say, of, of what the original sounded like. Mm-hmm. Um, it's when you get into like, the, the Meat Beat Manifesto doing Everything Counts or Self doing Shame where it's just like it doesn't feel like it's that far off from the original yeah. song. The one I did want to mention the the Locust cover of Master and Servant which sounds like a lounge singer. Like I, I couldn't help but think of like Bill Murray singing Star Wars. Uh, <laughs> it just has this like lounge singer aspect to it that I it's sort of out of place. Um, yeah. and sometimes when I hear it, I'm like, that's really cool. And then sometimes I'm like, this is awful. And this is the Song yeah, it kind of does. <laughs> uh, it would be an Aron Atkinson, James Bond parody, yep. Mr. Yep. Bean. The Monster Magnet song is interesting because when you think of Monster Magnet, you think of kind of a stonerish, heavy rock, and that's not what this is. I mean, they embrace 
the electronic on that song. Spoiler alert: we're going to get to a Monster Magnet uh, album in the future because mm. they have actually a new record coming out this fall. Cool. So, but I, you know, I like it when a band like that takes a chance and you know steps outside their own comfort zone. So I did mark that as one of the tracks that I, I liked. I also liked the Apollo 440 cover of I Feel You. It's got the groove of the original with their own sort of take on it. It's not too far off from the original, but it changes enough that it, it makes it interesting. Kind of disappointed in the Deftones to having to hold. Yeah. Honestly, could be a, a kind of my, my review of the entire Deftones career is I'm kind of disappointed. <laughs> I'm so glad you said that. Because <laughs> I always feel like that band yeah. should be way better because of the I White know. Pony album um, yeah. and really only a couple songs on there. I always feel like that band could be so much better and they're always so... They get so much credit and hype, and every time I try to get into it, it's just like it like it's like it is on this record. Like, yeah, I, I don't know what it is. Like, I just don't. It doesn't grab me. It's just kind of um, it's distant. Like, there's nothing immediate about it, or <laughs> and all the songs like seem to take a long time to start. And mm-hmm. like, wow, I don't have time for this. I don't think we're stoned enough to get yeah, it. Yeah, that's probably it. That um, Apollo for forty song. Uh, version of I feel you that it, it, well first it's too long it's like oh it's like five five twenty two but the one thing I could kept thinking of is the way the riffs presented and sort of they do capture the original groove but the monotony of the riff and the way it's presented I just couldn't help but think of like this would be the generic song that we played in the background of a strip scene in a bad like a you know what I mean like a <laughs> Stallone movie or something yeah. When he walks in, he's looking for the, you know, his his ex girlfriend stripper or whatever, and they just they have to play some generic music in the background for everybody to dance to. Like I could, I just kept thinking like this would be the song that you would put on. Excellent. And just keep just keep looping that part, you know, that riff. Hmm. I had I had not thought of that, but that is an excellent uh, use of that particular track. We should we should run, we should run a service where we pitch uh, songs for various Stallone. Uh, movies maybe they can use that in expendables three there you go yeah so the ramstein song i'll just chime in with you it's awful uh i never liked ramstein i don't understand why anybody likes them to me they're like yeah uh like a right said fred i mean they just seem like a joke to me (laughs) yeah (laughs) so i i guess it's the 
the live show. I, I can only assume I, the music is just so. I don't know. It's so German. I mean, <laughs> to the point of like, I. It's just it. It's like a different culture. You know what I mean? It's uh, meaning it's like it'd be like listening to, you know, straight Japanese pop music. Like I don't think we would get that either. <laughs> no, it's like a different culture. It's sort of like I don't, you know, it doesn't connect with me um, right. in so many ways. I mean, I guess it's creepy. They, it, they achieve that for sure, but uh, I'm not sure what that really elevates the song in any way. So let me ask you this: How much in listening to this did you actually go back and like A B with the original tracks so you'd have a frame of reference? Not really. I, for some reason, I know I'm not a big Depeche Mode fan, but I know all these songs. Okay. I guess they're just sort of ubiquitous, like, you know, I don't know that they were hits, but I must have absorbed them somewhere, so I was pretty familiar with all of them. Well, the majority of these are the singles. I mean, yeah. Never Let Me Down Again, Fly on the Windscreen, Enjoy the Silence, World of My Eyes, Policy of Truth, Somebody I Was Not As Familiar With. Um, and a, a lot of the stuff off of like the early '80s, like pre-singles album, um, I'm not as familiar with. So, like some great reward and a broken frame, I'm not as familiar with those Depeche Mode albums as I am with, say, Black Celebration or Music for the Masses. Uh, but even like the To Have and to Hold, that's not a Music for the Masses song that I'm uh, as familiar with. With say, like People Are People. You know, like that's a song mm-hmm. I'm more obviously more familiar with, and people are, in general are probably more familiar with. So I thought some of the the choices for songs were interesting, and it, it seemed like the ones that were more uh, radio friendly were the ones that worked better because they have better choruses and are not built around mood, but built around a pop angle, and that tends to be the '85 and and beyond uh, releases. So the the original version of somebody yeah. is similar to the Brook Assault in that it's stripped down. It's just not a Rhodes and it's more like atmospheric But it's still like, I've never, I'm not, I mean, I'm pretty familiar with Brook Assault. I don't remember them ever doing any material like this. There's um, one or two songs on their records that are are a bit more restrained. um, And quiet. And quiet, yeah. I remember one on—I can't remember the name of the song—but on the first record, there's a pretty long, slow song that's like halfway through that record. Okay. But I, I cannot recall what the what the name of the song. I want to say it's like called "Wolf" or something like that, but I'm probably wrong about that. I'm trying to dig into my brain archives, but I, if I had thought about that ahead of time, I would have looked it up. Right. So in terms of so we both have gone back. We both kind of reached the same conclusion. Uh, the stuff that strays the, the the most away from Depeche Mode and into the realm of what the band is covering works the best as opposed to keeping it in within the like electronic end of Depeche Mode. Yeah, it's just it's tough to like just cover songs in general. Like if you cover bands that are electronic and you approach it in an electronic way, it's like it's almost like you could you, you could quickly figure out the the same drum beat and the same sound they used and like it, it, like you could destruct deconstruct the formula more and like replicate it almost exactly if you wanted to whereas i don't know it's almost like it, you can't i can't imagine being super successful going about it that way you know otherwise mm-hmm. you're just constantly comparing it to the original right and then you're coming up short unless you put some kind of like vocal performance on it that is completely unique or 
Yeah, just like do it as a lounge song. <laughs> yeah, shaking up the instrumentation just seems like a must. Um, and, and vice versa. Like you know, if it's you're doing a you know a rock band tribute album, if you're doing a Zeppelin album, it probably be pretty interesting to hear like an electronic approach to that. You know, as opposed to Stone Temple Pilots sounding like Led Zeppelin. You know what I mean? You're just right. Like, yeah. This just makes me want to go back and listen to the original version. So it's probably the same way, you know. Anytime you uh, shake up the format a little bit, I think it helps these records. Well, that I'm, you know, maybe we'll get to that Pixies um, covers album sometime because it's interesting because they there are regular bands covering the Pixies. It's not like a bunch of electronic artists, but there are very different takes on a lot of the Pixies songs, like turning. Here comes your man into a punk rock song, and here comes your man is kind of a laid back uh, tune as it's as it you know is on the album, and mm-hmm. hearing that converted into a you know it's a like a Japanese punk rock band doing it at like five times the speed, yeah, makes it a, an interesting version. Um, mm-hmm. So in the uh, in the scale of were the album better EP decent single, what are you at with? For the masses. Well, it's not a worthy album. There's 16 songs in this thing, so right. There's no way. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's probably an EP for me. I, I could take uh, take the first half and, and snip it down to probably six songs. I'd be, I'd be pretty happy with it. How about you? Um, I'm actually at closer to like eight or nine songs. I'm still not ready to call it an album because, like you said, there's 16 songs. And there are some that are just not good at all. But um, I am willing to give, uh, you know, eight of these tracks consideration. And, and a few of them are excellent. I think, I think uh, the most of all, I've come to appreciate the Smashing Pumpkins ver- song the most. That was the one that, that rose in my estimation uh, the greatest. Because mm. I wasn't a huge fan of that particular take on that song. Cause I'm, I really like the mm. original song a lot, but mm-hmm. hearing their take on it now, the restraint that they show is I think the most interesting part of it. Yeah. You know what else is cool about that is, uh, you just hear, you just get to hear that band play. You know what I mean? Like you, mm-hmm. you know, it's Jimmy Chamberlain playing drums and it's, you know, it just sounds like it just, it's those people playing music and it's a track I hadn't heard in a while. So it, it was more of, uh, it was as much about that for me as it was uh, their particular take on the song. Well, that is our review of For the Masses. Uh, feel free to chime in with your opinions on this album. This is our second Facebook poll that we've done. The first one was for the soundtrack singles. Uh, we did a, so we did, we've done a soundtrack, we've done a tribute album, and coming down the line, sometime in September, we're going to do another Facebook poll. And it's going to be for a benefit album. There were a lot of benefit albums that came out in the mm. '90s. For example, like the No Alternative yeah. album that features like Nirvana and a bunch of other uh, album uh, artists from the '90s. But there, there were a lot of. I, I started doing the research and uh, found quite a few that were interesting, and they spans a you know from the beginning of the decade to the end. So we're going to do a Facebook poll for benefit album. And then eventually we're going to do one just for like a rarities and B-sides compilation because there's that like DGC rarities comp and there's some other ones. 
but we'll probably be pushing that into next year. I think uh, we're going to have a busy fall. There's lots of new releases coming out, and we're going to try to pair those up with uh, some interesting reviews. So be on the lookout for that. I already mentioned Monster Magnet, but there's a bunch more that will be coming up soon. So uh, any last words, Jay? Cool. That's a word. All right, everybody, thanks for listening. And we'll be back next week on another episode of Dig Me Out. Join the conversation about this episode at digmeoutpodcast.com, where you can find links to our Facebook page and Twitter feed, as well as links to our request a review and merchandise pages. Thank you.